Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of The Leadership and Business Story with me, Hunter White. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different than our typical episodes in the past. In fact, I'm in between studios and don't really have the capability right now to bring on guests and sort of kind of do an interview style of a show. So what we're actually going to do today is something a little bit different. This is called a one-on-one. And what we will do here is we'll sit down and we'll look at a specific topic, a certain idea, and we'll run through it and we'll talk about it for a little bit. So let's get started. Motivation itself is the act or process of motivating. Condition of being motivated, a motivating force, stimulus, or influence. So the biggest thing there is going to be motive. Uh, The cause that a person acts upon. So the reason why it's a little different than passion is... In my mind, passion is very short bursts, just like I have a passion for this podcast. However, I haven't been able to keep to my schedule, and I think that's the problem uh, with my motivation. But I am passionate about things, and then I can be motivated to do other things as well. Passion, uh, there's a there's a lot of definitions out there, but what it basically boils down to is it's an emotion and it's a force. Which, if you just take what I said about motivation and passion, they are two very, very similar things, except that outside forces can cause a lot of motivation and inside forces can cause motivation as well. Motivation is something that is manifested within you, either by your surroundings or your passion to do things. So with that in mind, that's why I kind of take passion as more as an internal thing and that um, people can have many sorts of different passions and they can do little things here and there because they're passionate about the things that they work on, about a podcast, about a car, about small little crafting projects. But motivation is what really sends you down that road to success. It is your long-term goals. It is many series of short bursts of passion that lead you to motivate towards a goal that is much bigger than what you initially imagined. There is definitely ways that people can stay motivated and there's ways that people can be unmotivated. Now, the best way to talk about not being motivated would have to be the Groundhog Day effect. Now, I recently heard about this from the Art of Manliness podcast. So if you get a chance, go listen to the Art of Manliness podcast for the Groundhog Day roadmap for changing your life. It was one of the more recent episodes as of August. So go back there, give it a listen, but here's the Spark Notes version. The Spark Notes version is that 
we as humans are very repetitive in nature and we can easily get into a daily grind, if you will, of wake up, eat food, go to work, work for about eight hours, come home, be tired, go to bed, and then the whole process restarts tomorrow. Now, what you'll understand is that in the movie, The Groundhog Day, or Groundhog Day, uh, our character Phil uh, is basically stuck in this constant loop of repeating the same day over and over again. It's what what he feels in a day is something that we could feel in a month or a year or something to that end. So if you're listening to this podcast, congratulations, you are on the road to help figuring out how to get out of that repetitive nature. We're going to discuss a little bit about some of the things that people fall out of motivation, how how people go into the daily moan and drone of everything. So what we're going to talk about is this really nice LinkedIn article by Robert Locke. It is 10 reasons why people are unmotivated, and it was published in August 27th in 2018. Now, the first reason is they only see the bad side in anything that happens. Usually unmotivated individuals have a terrible pessimistic view on their chances of success. Psychologists have labeled this as having a low level of self-efficiency, which is the innate ability to influence the outcome of a project or venture. There are a lot of myths to how uh, there is to fix this, such as writing down your goals or simply visualizing success. Now, what I take that as is this is more of an internal force. People feel that because their outlook on life is negative, they won't have motivation, which is true if you think about it. I mean, if I have a goal that I'm going to work out three times a day, but I hate working out, I'm very upset when I work out, I don't think I'm very good at working out, all these negative viewpoints will not drive me to become a a better person for working out, or I won't be able to stay motivated to keep working out because I don't like it, it's too hard, it's too difficult, whatever. We'll discuss further about different ways to stay motivated or be motivated. But the biggest thing here is that your outlook is going to be a very big part of whether you stay motivated or get into motivation. Number two, they forget the benefits and rewards. Most unmotivated people get distracted by daunting challenges. They think of the blood, sweat, and tears that face them in achieving a task or objective. They forget to think of the long-term rewards and benefits, which is essential. So what that means to me is a 100% piggyback off of number one. They see the outlook as being dim, like, oh my goodness, I hate working out. I, I don't like working out, but they forget that every time that they work out, they're going to get a little bit stronger. They're going to get healthier. They're going to get better at working out. Their technique's going to improve. Reminding yourself about the benefits and the reward systems of doing things that uh, you're passionate about, you will be able to 
see the benefits and rewards. And I think this is very true. Uh, number two and number three are very similar. Number three is they set themselves unrealistic goals. So again, that's the standpoint. It's like, well, I want to become the president of the United States. Well, there's a lot that goes into that. And I mean, of course, anybody can be the president of the United States. I'm sure you could be the president of the United States if you tried really, really hard enough. Of course, that's what all our parents told us when we were five, ten years old. However, some things are just unachievable. Like, I'm going to be the first person on Pluto. I'm going to be the first human on Pluto. I don't think that's going to happen in my lifetime. I mean, it'd be really cool if it did, but you have to realize that some of your goals, they need to be within reach. And in fact, as a little description here, in the business world, having stretched goals is often advocated as a path to success since it will increase motivation. Researchers and psychologists have recently found that this is actually false. Demotivation may set in because the problems are just too complex and unnerving. So what that's basically saying is that you really have to, especially when you're coming out of the rut of, hey, I'm going to get motivated. I want to start being motivated. I want to start reaching my long-term goals. What it's basically saying is real men, be realistic with yourself. What can you obtain today? What can you obtain tomorrow? What can you obtain three years from now? And start setting yourself little goals so you can continue and make that a possibility. Number four, they don't know about many habits. And in fact, I didn't know about many habits until I read this article. So this is very interesting. When they think about getting what they want, they want to do something big once and for all. So when they fail to do it, they feel defeated and unmotivated. What they don't know is that to achieve greatness, it's in the small things they do every day. And I 100% agree with that. We've kind of already touched on this on the previous points. Let's take our workout example. Let's keep running with that. If you work out for just 15 minutes a day, either doing body workouts, push-ups at home, you know, you don't have to go to a marathon right out the gate. You don't have to go to a very expensive high-end gym right out the gate. You can take time to build yourself up to that point. Just like a lot of people work towards running marathons, they start out small. And those little gains that you get, which you hopefully would have enough self-awareness to recognize that you are starting your path towards a marathon. Hey, I can finally run, you know, quarter of a mile without losing breath. Okay, now I can run half a mile without losing my breath. And over the course of your training, you'll be able to find that, oh my goodness, I can run a marathon. But you have to start finding little spots in time that are mini habits. You have to find little points in time where you can be like, okay, five minutes a day, I am going to do research. I am going to go for a run. I am going to work on a little craft project that's that I feel very passionate about. It's one of those things. Number five, they do not seize the opportunity. 
or they do not seize opportunities. Have you noticed how demotivated people often tell you that they've never got a lucky break? The truth is they do not sought out opportunities that will give them a chance of success, wealth, and happiness. The secret is that opportunities are out there just waiting to be taken. This is not simply given to you on a silver plate. Now, I actually kind of want to reserve number five for another episode because I would like to talk about luck and opportunities in another one-on-one discussion, but the brief overview is, yes, that is mostly true. I do have an issue that opportunities are always out there. They are. You have to find them. Uh, Yes, this is true. Opportunities pop up, but you have to recognize that there are opportunities to begin with. Because what this is really boiling down to is it is looking at, okay, what is your viewpoint? It's kind of harking back to number one. You you aren't seeing the availability of opportunities that are out there, the plethora of things that can help you towards your goal. I mean, I really like the last sentence the most. They are not simply given to you on a silver plate. You do have to work towards opportunities. And of course, there is going to be a little bit of luck and there is going to be a a lot of hard work that puts into it. I think I've said enough on that. Uh, (laughs) uh, Stay tuned for another podcast. I really want to talk about opportunities and luck because I personally feel that luck Even though it's a minuscule part of everyday life, it is definitely a viewpoint, how you see your surroundings to whether you actually get your opportunities and luck and whatnot. So we'll we'll talk about that at a later time. Number six, they are unwilling to work harder. The tendency to consider the payoff before making all of the effort. They want immediate gratification before persisting and persevering. Access to the internet at work will distract them further. One study has shown that unmotivated employees are probably the majority, 64%, who waste time on social media at work. So what this is basically saying is that motivated people work harder. Basically, that is true. If you see a far distant goal and you set yourself little mini goals, you set yourself your mini habits, let's say your outlook is already pristine and perfect, you know that you're heading towards the right direction. Of course, you're going to work a little bit harder. I think that's granted. But I didn't really like the little tidbit, uh, the little paragraph that it gives it. Sometimes you need breaks, and that's the one thing that you have to understand is that breaks are very important because if you are working towards one goal for a very long time over the course of a day, you will become tired, and burnout is also a very real thing, and you do not want to be burned out. There's only 24 hours a day, and hopefully you're using eight of those to sleep. The rest of the time, do as you will. Um, Hopefully eat, drink water, do all that. But access to the internet at work will distract them further. Sometimes you just need a break. 
I, I can be working on a monotonous task at work for five hours at any given time during the day of my work day. And sometimes it's okay to take five minutes to sit back, relax, maybe reflect on what you were working on. Maybe there's something that isn't working and you're just getting frustrated. You, sometimes you need to take that break. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're working harder or less hard than another person. I do feel like number six is a misnomer when I say that um, people who are not motivated work harder. There could be people who work absolutely hard day in and day out and not be motivated. Again, that, that's going to be an outlook thing, but... People who are motivated, but they burn out, they'll become unmotivated again. So just be careful. Be weary of burnout. Work hard towards your goal, no matter whether it's a passion or not. But please take those breaks when you feel like you need those breaks. Number seven is they often play the blame game. It is always somebody else's fault when they do not get a promotion. It's not their fault that their marriage ended on the rocks. It was their partner's fault. The fact that you cannot control what other people do or the way that they think. Recognize that it was mostly your fault. And then you can analyze what went wrong and help you avoid the pitfalls for next time. I really like that. It is, I, I would honestly put number seven as number one. And the reason why I would do that is because you hold yourself accountable for your own motivation. It's you taking that first step towards that long-term goal of motivation to become successful. This is 100% real. Your outlook on your motivation, on how you perceive yourself, on how you perceive others accountability. You have to hold yourself accountable to basically stay motivated. And if you don't hold yourself accountable, you're going to fall out of either your motivation or stay unmotivated and it's going to fall through the cracks. We'll talk a little bit more about this and ownership in a little bit. So keep ownership in the back of your mind. Number eight they don't know how to use their time wisely. And this really also goes back to number four and number five of not ceasing opportunities, many habits, unrealistic goals. Number eight is very good at time management. And here's a little blurb that it says underneath. There are always lots of ways to manage time better, but unmotivated people tend to be more time wasters. They cannot schedule very efficiently and always procrastinate. Time is elastic. Stretch it so you can get more out of it. Once you conquer the time management problem, you will become more motivated because you can praise yourself for achieving what most people find really difficult. Taking credit for your achievements is a great way to stay motivated. This is 100% true, and if you get the opportunity, I borrowed this also from another podcast, so I do not take full credit for this idea. It is, instead of taking time by the hour, take time by the minutes. 
So to give you a picture of what I'm talking about, let's say you're going to clean the house at 5 p.m. Okay, great. Um, five o'clock, I'm going to vacuum. I'm going to clean out the cupboards. I'm going to wash the windows, whatever. When 501 hits and you just put down your thing that you were doing previously and you're like, oh, oh no, it's 501. Guess I can't start this. Guess I'm going to wait till six o'clock. Something like that I've been guilty of, guilty of personally. But what people need to realize is, oh no, five o'clock passed and I guess I'm doing it at six. No, you actually have 59 minutes to do what you were planning on doing. You just missed it by a minute. And I wish I could have told my younger self that way back when so I could be more motivated and I could have left myself off in a better position. Definitely start thinking about time in minutes rather than hours. So it's basically what we've been talking about so far is casting out that line of like, okay, this is my motivating goal. Now we have to break it up into mini habits. We have to make sure our time management is in small enough increments that we can actually do our things daily. And again, also take some breaks and make sure your outlook is positive. Make sure that your motivation is manifesting from you and your outside sources. Uh, make it positive, turn everything positive so you get out of these ruts of unmotivation. Number nine, they don't believe that they are talented. Again, this goes back to many of the other points that we touched on. What the little blurb says is when people think of all the talents and creativity they lack, they block themselves off and demotivation takes hold. However, when they concentrate on the actual skill, talents, and qualities they possess, they become much more motivated. Negative thoughts will drag you downward in a horrible spiral. Positive thoughts help you soar above the crowd. I would set number nine as number two in this list. Again, I've been talking about this on all the other points. Motivation comes inward. And there's a lot of outside factors that you have to see and you have to see the reward systems and you have to see that there's support lines out there. It all comes from you. And when you set your goals, you, you have to understand what your abilities are. And that's exactly what it says is that unmotivated people uh, don't actually look at their actual skills, talents and qualities they possess. You, as an individual, are very good at doing many things. Now you have to look inward to yourself and be like, okay, what am I good at? And then pursue those ideas or pursue those talents with a goal that you chop them up into little tiny mini passionate goals with the time. You kind of understand what I'm trying to say as we're kind of wrapping up all these points. Number 10, I, I, would, I wouldn't even put number 10 on here, but I will read it for you so we can finish out this article. Number 10, they rely on social media. 
Research on students' use of social media has pointed out that there is a reduction in creativity, less practice in writing skills, and an increase in multitasking for these students. All these factors have contributed to lower grades, poor academic performance. This may be one reason why many people become demotivated. Now, what I'd like to say about this is I don't know what was going through the author's head when they were thinking about this. But the fact of the matter is social media should be used as a tool to reach out to individuals who are in the same boat as you so you can find yourself and them accountable towards a similar goal. Social media as used as a time waster can be very bad and it is bad and you should not spend your whole day every day on social media of you just sitting on your butt um, on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. But you can definitely utilize those social medias to help you further your goals, further your motivation, find accountability buddies, keep telling your friends and family, hey, I just created this little project check it out, post pictures of, hey, look at me. I have just begun learning how to run a marathon and these are my times. And, and you know, what you will get is you will get tons and tons of people who will support you in these social media platforms. Now, of course, there's going to be negative people and there's going to be trolls. But when starting off, find yourself an accountability partner and stick to it because that's going to be one of the greatest things to help you when moving on to your motivational journey. So I decided to pull another article of basically reasons and we won't go one by one. We will just basically touch on the things that are a little bit very similar in the points that are being made. And I just want to kind of reiterate some of the things when I was doing this research. This is from Totem Pool, 15 reasons you're demotivated and how to avoid demotivating yourself. So the first point that I actually wanted to look at is point number one, actually, this one's really good. Your efforts lack a sense of purpose. Now, from the last article that we heard, this was very, very similar to recognizing your skills, recognizing what's attainable for you. And ultimately, it comes from inside yourself. The little blurb here is says to have goals is essential for our lives. It gives direction to effort and guides us. And also goals provide us the intent to keep grinding. But unfortunately, this lack of purpose is common reason why people lack motivation. Again, reiterating, this is very, very inward. You have to set goals, attainable goals for yourself. The next point that I wanted to hit on here is number five, you have unrealistic expectations for yourself. Again, that's kind of harking back to when you set your goals, you know, I'm not going to be the first man on Pluto, more than likely, 
slim, slim chance. It's never zero. Statistics show that it is never zero. But it is very close. It can be very close to zero. But that shouldn't stop you from trying to reach attainable goals. There is no problem in rating yourself highly. But one must be realistic in expecting things from themselves. For example, you might think you should have accomplished more by now, and it can cause a massive dent in your self-esteem. So that's a new word that we've heard during this little uh, discussion, self-esteem. In order to be motivated, you really do have to look at yourself and be like, hey, I, I'm not very good at one thing, or I'm not very good at running that marathon, but you can be. And the little voice inside you that says, hey, you can do this. Your self-esteem, you can bump up your self-esteem by trying to get into these little habits to look inward and be like, hey, maybe I can do this. Again, this is all about a negative outlook that we have already discussed. Point number 12. I think we've heard this before, trapped in the blame game. Accountability is so big to why people become unmotivated or the reason why they stay motivated. Again, with like we discussed on the last point about social media or, you know, setting unattainable goals, it all falls back onto you. And the little paragraph that it says down here, it doesn't matter how harsh it may sound, but it's true. It's easy to blame others for our failures. Getting stuck in the blame game can be terrible for your motivation, and it makes you feel helpless that you are never at fault. Yes, so it's always someone else's fault. But once we start recognizing that, hey, maybe I'm not attaining all these goals, it's because of the things that I'm doing. It's the things that, hey, the stuff that I'm doing right now, you know, sitting on social media for eight hours a day. I'm not doing my little passionate intervals or doing my mini habits. Well, they're not my fault. They're, they're somebody else's fault. It's the weather. It's the weather. The reason why I can't go out and run. Well, there's other things that you can do inside the house that can help with your endurance. But it was the weather's fault. No, it boils down to you not doing anything to begin with for that day or managing that time to be better. Point number 14, let opportunities pass. Again, we've talked a little bit about opportunities. I really want to save this. I really want to save this for later. Just want to emphasize that this is a sentence we often hear from people. There are no more jobs out there. Instead of looking for opportunities, they believe there aren't any. In the end, they let some great opportunities pass. I will sort of kind of let that speak for itself. But again, it always comes back to yourself. You are not identifying these opp opportunities. You are not the one who's taking the step towards, hey, this is going to get me to my goal. This is going to get me towards an upward shift in motivation if I try to attend, uh, achieve this goal. It all boils back down to you. Now that we kind of discussed about the different ways people become unmotivated, as well as some of the little tips and tricks and things that you can do to get a little motivated, 
let's actually talk about the science of motivation. And I didn't know about this until I listened to Jocko Podcast episode 332 with Andrew Hubertman, who's a neuroscientist. If you get a chance, give a listen to Jocko Podcast. It's a fantastic podcast about leadership, motivation, grit. And in fact, I initially based my podcast to essentially the format of his. So if you ever get a chance, please, it's my recommendation, go listen to Jocko Podcast. But here in this episode with Andrew Huberman, it talks about the science behind it. And definitely if you give this episode a check out, somewhere around the two hour mark for the rest of the episode, they discuss uh, the, the tips, tricks, meaning, and strategies behind the psychological and physiological being of motivation with the dopamine factors and serotonin and all this. But to help back this up and to essentially give you a SparkNotes version of that episode, I was able to find a article off of Forbes. It is by Sujan Patel. And the title of the article is quite literally the science behind motivation. So if you get a chance, also read this article. But what I want to talk about is the biology of your brain. And in fact, there's a little subheader called biology, your brain on dopamine. And what this is essentially trying to say is dopamine has a wider effect on pleasure than what we initially have thought. And it's a strong link towards motivation. One of the ways that we know this is that there was an experiment done on rats and rats with a lower dopamine level weren't willing to climb a small little fence to get a larger pile of food. So think of it, two rats, one rat who is apparently um, either baseline dopamine levels or higher dopamine levels and a rat that has lower than baseline dopamine levels. They, the, the, the rats with the smaller dopamine levels were not motivated enough to get over a little tiny fence where there was a lot more food on the other side. Think about that. The dopamine inside our mind is a strong link to whether we stay motivated. And I think that's a very interesting thing to think about. So try and find different ways. Uh, we'll definitely talk about ways to get motivated, but definitely start thinking about, hey, if I can't go out and do something, maybe it's a dopamine thing, maybe it's not. I just wanted to bring your attention to that. But dopamine deals with the willingness to work. Quote unquote, go-getters have a high level of dopamine in the reward and motivation portions of the brain. It makes us feel good in the most natural sense. So you really have to be careful when you're finding out ways to be motivated and your dopamine levels. Of course, I am not a scientist. I do not know a lick of 
science of the brain or anything like that. So that's why if you get a chance to listen to Andrew Huberman, he does a better way of describing it. But the best way that I can bring it down to, at least for me, for my level of understanding, is that uh, dopamine is a huge contributor in go-getters, in being able to achieve those goals. So when it comes to trying to find what gets your dopamine levels up, you really are going to have to be like, okay, what, what helps me release a natural amount of dopamine? Is it going and exercising? Is it watching cute puppy videos? Is it, you know, spending time with family? Whatever naturally gets your dopamine levels up can directly affect and help you move towards or think about those long-term motivational goals. It also says here that slackers have high dopamine association with emotion and risk. Addictions do not motivate us to be better. So there is definitely a thing about if you do one thing too much, that can be detrimental to your health. And that is just with anything. And we kind of discussed that earlier on the points of the first article about working harder is that if you obsess over something to either get that high or achieve that goal or whatever it is, it's not good for you. You have to take things in dosages that are healthy but still help you move in the right direction. So be wary of that. So if you're interested in this topic, I highly recommend do a little bit more research, listen to that Jocko podcast episode, and learn about the tips and tricks and science behind your motivation. So now that we kind of discussed about people ways are unmotivated, the science behind it, now let's get into the brass tacks of how to increase your own motivation. This is from Psychology Today by Arashi Amamzadeh, and it was published in January 10th of 2022. Now, what this article really boils down to is four different parts, and they can then be broken down into principles. I will link this article in the show notes so you can give a look and take a deep read for yourself. What it boils down to is setting goals, sustaining motivation, managing multiple goals, and then leveraging social support. Some of these things we have already talked about and discussed, but I would like to take some time to really talk about some of these principles within these parts. So setting goals, something that we've already discussed way back on the first article is you have to make goals that are achievable. And what this says here is to set SMART goals. Now, if you don't know what SMART goals are, SMART goals are specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound goals. What that means is specific. You have to narrow it down to something more than just a vague saying. You have to be like, I want to run a marathon. That, that is very specific. Is it measurable? Yes, we can measure a marathon and we can measure people running. Is it attainable? 
if you are really good at running or if you have a passion of building up your endurance or wanting to be better at long distance running. Yes, definitely. That is attainable. And it even says here in little brackets, neither too easy nor difficult it has to be in that sweet spot. Of course, uh, when you are starting out on your motivation journey, you you can adjust that bar to either way. And relevant, is it going to help you, essentially? Is it going to make you better towards what you want to attain, what you want to do, your personal self goals for yourself? You know, if you learned how to run a marathon, but all you do is sit down and you don't do anything. And in fact, oh, hey, I'm actually homebound, uh, stay at home for whatever reason, because you have a kid at the moment and you need to really watch them. Could that, could that, I, I don't think that's a very good excuse, but it does have to be relevant to your situation. Time bound. What time bound means is that you have to set a specific goal for you that is set in a date space time. If you want to learn how to run a marathon, set your training goal for like half a year, three months, something where there is a time frame where you can hold yourself accountable. Another thing here is set incentives. Incentives are like mini goals and increase motivation. However, there is sometimes undermine the original goal. Furthermore, uncertain incentives are potentially more motivating than certain ones. So what does that basically mean? Uncertain incentives, 20 or 40 minutes to play video games. That basically means, hey, it's kind of wishy-washy. I don't really like how this is worded. Essentially, what you need to do is you need to set yourself incentives along with your goals. So what I mean is like, hey, I'm going to go learn how to run a marathon and you like, OK, I'm going to set out this day. I'm going to run and then you run and then you you're great. You feel great. You feel empowered that, hey, I just ran for an hour. I feel great. This is getting me towards my goal. Associate something else that makes you feel good to go along with that. So maybe after you get done with your exercise, maybe you go and relax for the rest of the day. You know, say like, hey, I ran an hour. I am dog tired, but I really like taking bubble baths. Go and take a bubble bath. No one's stopping you. This is your incentive that you set for yourself. And the next time when you run an hour, go and give yourself another bubble bath. Set that time away doing something that you enjoy along with your goal setting. So associate in pairs with those incentives. Sustaining that motivation. Of course, we all eventually find ourselves in that Groundhog Day situation of, well, I've been working on this goal for three months, six months. I, you know, I take my bubble baths after I run for an hour. Now I've bumped it up to an hour 30. What else should I need to do? to sustain my motivation. And there's always the issue in the middle problem. And it says here with the middle problem, motivation is usually high initially and towards the end, but not in the middle. The solution, keep the middles very short. 
So instead of monthly goals, set weekly goals. Again, that's shortening the goal setting to little tiny attainable bits to where you can successfully go and do those things. So, hey, you're achieving goals every week. You're going to stay highly motivated. Whereas, hey, running a marathon, that's that's big. That's big. But break it down into little smaller increments in little smaller parts of time and you will be able to successfully get there and stay motivated while you're doing it. Learning from negative feedback. People are less likely to learn from negative than positive feedback, perhaps because they take it too personally. The solution? To protect your ego, focus on the lessons learned, sharing these lessons with others in the form of giving advice. Many also protect your ego. With this one about sustaining motivation, you have to always receive feedback. Negative, negative versus positive, I only understand that in the terms of positive or negative and constructive. And negative is bad and then constructive is good. But regardless, people are going to give you feedback on your goals no matter what they are. You will have to identify whether that these people who are giving your feed that feedback is a part of your social support group or not, or whether they're actually, you know, knowledgeable about what they do and whether how that pertains to your goal. But definitely take feedback depending on, on where it comes from and who it's by. I don't really like this point of having to protect your ego. You have to stay humble when you are learning how to do something, especially if you maybe your motivation is your goal, learning how to program. And I'll be honest, I don't know a lick of programming. I don't know anything about Java or C++. But if I find it beneficial to me, and let's say I want to learn in about a five-month period to learn how to use JavaScript or whatever it is, and then the, the feedback that you get from either being on forums or being like, hey, guys, check out this cool little project that I've been working on with, with JavaScript, really take into consideration where that feedback is coming from and be really humble to yourself to be like, hey, I don't know anything about this, but I want to learn. And a lot of people are going to be willing and take you under their wing or support you in a way that you will be able to hopefully find validation in that in the sense that, hey, all these people are supporting me towards my goal of learning to program. And, and you should really utilize that to make yourself better in programming. Now, point number three is goal juggling and I want to really emphasize on point number two and three here, compromise versus prioritizing. To resolve goal conflicts, we prioritize, choose A over B, or compromise, choose the middle ground between a third goal C. Framing an activity as progress encourages compromise, but framing it as a commitment encourages prioritization. To unpack that is that it really boils down to how do you want to receive your rewards and your incentives. It's basically the avenue of, hey, I'm working on multiple things that I'm very passionate about. I've set goals, but 
do I want to work on programming or do I want to learn how to run a marathon? And given those two sets of goals, you would be basically prioritizing, hey, I want to learn how to program versus I want to go outside and run to learn or get prepared for my marathon. But what compromising means is that, hey, maybe today I will run for 30 minutes and then tomorrow I'm going to spend 30 minutes on JavaScript to learning how the user interface works. Basically, what you have to figure out is the time management portion and how you want to prioritize versus compromising your goals that you have set for yourself. And something like that is going to be very complex, especially if you're first starting out on your motivational journey. So what I would personally recommend to you is start off with one goal. Start off with one and achieve that one goal, make it attainable, make the smart goal, build those mini habits. Basically, give yourself a little trial run before you have to start compromising and prioritizing. Even though we are multifaceted individuals, that is never going to be the case. But to try your hardest, especially when you're first getting out of the Groundhog Day situation, Start with one, and maybe that will be able to help you see your light of coming out of being unmotivated and into motivational space that then now you can be like, hey, okay, I have 24 hours of in the day, eight of those have to sleep. What can I do with the other hours of the day? Now, point number three is self-control. Successful self-control requires first identifying a conflict. This necessitates examining behavioral patterns. For example, eating two slices of cake in one sitting is not a problem unless done regularly. Second, it requires us to exercise self-control. How? By changing the environment. Two, by changing our perception of a goal's value and reducing the value of the temptation. What that basically is saying is... It's okay to eat two pieces of cake once a week, once a month, whatever it is. But you have to recognize that if you eat two pieces of cake every single day, that is going to harm you. Let's form this into another idea. Let's say you like spending time on TikTok, but you really want to get out of the house and go walk around that lake that is just a quarter mile away from your house, you really want to enjoy it. Spending too much time on TikTok does not help you or benefit you in that goal of walking around that lake. So what you then have to tell yourself is, hey, I'm going to spend 30 minutes on TikTok today, and then I'm going to go and walk a lap around that lake once. Okay, boom, goal achieved. And Maybe you set yourself to do this on a weekend. Maybe you say, hey, maybe I'm going to spend 30 minutes on TikTok before, walk halfway around the lake, stop, sit down, take a little break, be on TikTok for five to 10 minutes, and then finish your walk and head home. What this is basically saying is set yourself an action plan to be successful and be like, hey, 
I have these things that I that I'm used to doing in my Groundhog Day scenario. And I don't really want to let go of them, but to wean off of them, use self-control. And another thing is to be patient. Some of this stuff is going to take some time. It really is. And it's going to be long and hard, but I know you can do it because, hey, you've made it this far. You're taking the first step of self-actualizing and self-reflecting that, hey, I'm in a Groundhog Day scenario and I want to get out of it. So good for you. It's just going to take time and you're going to get there. The last point that I want to talk about is the social support. And we kind of really hit this on the first article about social media. Leverage your social support. Leverage your friends, accountability partners, whatever it is. People increase your motivation exponentially. Motivation typically comes from an outside force of the moan and drone of daily life. But if you surround yourself by people who will help you achieve and motivate that goal, you will also become self-actualizing and like, hey, these people think I can do it. Maybe I actually can do it. Leverage social support wherever that comes from, whether that comes from your roommate, whether that comes from your family, such as your mother, brother, sister, father, whoever. Or maybe keep a little journal and hold yourself accountable. Social support or accountability can also be coming from yourself. You can hold yourself accountable on lots of things. Or utilize social media and social spaces to find somebody who is in the same boat you are and become motivated to do that. And like this point here on the last point of social support, Pursuing group goals when pursuing goals as a group in order to make sure all members are doing their fair share. Make contributions public. Increase member identification with the group and inspire group members with your contributions. So what that is basically saying is that an individual who is heading towards the right direction Everybody else should support that person that, hey, they're heading in the right direction. And then they see you going in the right direction. Be like, hey, everybody, look, I'm heading in the right direction. Then it's everybody else's job to be like, oh, my goodness, this person's also heading in the same right direction. This is great. Now we're all moving in the same right direction. And that motivation is going to be compounded if you do it with a group. So keep that in mind when you're searching for your social support lines, because it's one thing to have an individual or whoever in your support system say, hey, good job, you're doing right for you. But it's going to mean a lot more if someone is heading in that same goal in that same direction with you. Oh, my goodness. These are my times that I ran for my marathon. What did you run? And you guys can can compare. And you guys can be like, oh, man, I was five seconds slower on the quarter mile mark than you were. I'm going to try a little bit harder next time. So the effect gets compounded of motivation when you try and find groups that are trying to head towards that goal. So keep that in mind moving forward. 
Now, to wrap things up, I would like to discuss a personal story that I thought would be very encouraging for you all. And this was something that is very big and I'm very passionate about in my life. And I think it hits on all the points that we have discussed. And that is me getting my CPA. So for those of you who don't know, it's called Certified Public Accountant. And it is where I take four, four hour long exams. I have to get above a 75 or higher to pass and become a CPA in order to do other people's taxes or audits um, in the public sphere. It's 20 chapters of book, four books, and it is very, very daunting. As somebody who comes from an, an accounting background and did not do very well in their accounting studies as an undergrad, it was very monumentous. But I knew that the goal was out there. I knew that if I became a CPA, not only would I be achieving my goal of, you know, becoming advanced in, in the accounting field, because not every accountant has their CPA, but it helps you stand out more. The hours and the process is a grueling, grueling thing. Like we are talking about eight hours, 10 hours a day studying a single topic within accounting and then going and taking an exam over those series of topics. Now, I actually had to retake a test once. Um, I had to retake business and environment concepts. So this is basically the potpourri section of the CPA. There is FAR, which is financial accounting and reporting. There is BEC, business environment concepts, auditing, and regulation. Now, I didn't pass BEC on the first go. In fact, I missed it by 2%. You would think that devastated me, and it did for a little bit. In fact, I got stuck in a little groundhog situation of like, hey, is my studying the way that I should be doing it? Like, I missed it by 2%. There, there's something that I'm doing wrong. Of course, I surrounded myself with people who were also taking the CPA at the same time, and some of them passed BEC, some of them didn't. I just surrounded myself with the support to make sure when the second time came around that I was prepared for it. Definitely tons of takeaways from that. Even though I spent eight hours a day studying, I still took time for myself. I still took time to unwind, de-stress, but I also worked hard. I, I spent those eight hours a day studying. I spent those times taking practice exams. I did know that, you know, I set my goal. I tried to achieve something that was much bigger than me and that many other people have done before. Now I just had to think of it like it's my turn. It is my time to pass. And lo and behold, eight months later, which is also unbelievable of feat in the eyes of people who take the CPA. Usually people take about the full year 
and I think it's eight months now to take their CPA. And some people just barely cross that wire. And there's some people who fail and give up. But knowing that I was able to do it in eight months because I set those goals, I had that support group, I stayed motivated, I was able to time manage and make sure that I was able to get to through all the things that I was supposed to do for that day helped me to become the CPA that I am today. So go ahead, go and apply that to whatever you're doing and you will become a better person because of it. My name is Hunter White. Thank you for taking your time out of your day to listen to this new format and style of the leadership and business story.